Guardian angels and patron saints, pray for us. Glory, honor, and blessing, praise to Almighty God who has called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. We are assembled here this morning in this holy temple to give thanks to God for so many things and to praise his goodness for bringing us together to drink again from the joy and the, the languor of our youth, those of us here to reunite and to remember how much goodness has filled our lives. These past few days have been overflowing with loving kindness, feeling great affection for and from so many of you, and seeing that shared among this ever-growing and ever-progressing community, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, poured into our laps. Take such uh, joy in the kind and familiar looks of so many of my friends, now multiplied and refracted in the eager faces of their children. So too, we feel the absences of those who have died in the flesh, as well as those who have died to the world, and who are joined to us only in this Holy Eucharist. An enchanting time. And then, in the midst of all of that, to hear on the feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Nativity of St. John the Baptist, that the death grip has begun to unravel from over our nation. A stronghold of the enemy laid waste and looted, and the enemy confounded, put to flight, shrieking with dismay while the flutes of Tepeyac grate upon their ears. It's hard not to have a sense that as we take our ease here among the gardens and the terraces that the world has recovered a little of its enchantment. So I hope you can fix in your memory on this, these historic days the place and time when you heard the news that Roe versus Wade had been overturned. I suspect it might be, for many of us, the closest thing we get in our lifetimes to experience in our own lives, instead of merely in story, what Tolkien coined the term eucatastrophe to describe. A sudden and miraculous grace, never to be counted on to recur, a fleeting glimpse of joy, joy beyond the walls of the world, poignant as grief. It's this sudden turn in the story that culminates in the happy ending that Tolkien considered the explanation for why truly great stories are not just interesting or curious, but consoling and capable of arousing deep and sublime feelings that orient us to the supreme truth of our being. He goes on to note that eucatastrophe does not 
deny the existence of disc catastrophe. I'm not sure why he added that prefix given we already have perfectly good word in just catastrophe, sorrow, failure. What it does deny, in the face of much evidence, is universal and final defeat. And insofar is evangelium, glad tidings. So in the midst of our conversations and catching up, storytelling and reminiscences, we know that in the background, the battle continues and is far from over. The lines of battle have merely shifted. Much will be required of the grunts who have been drafted to lay down their lives in the service of the civilization of love. All fine and good. For though we find ourselves on fresh territory, the nature of the conflict has not changed. The conflict turns not so much on different concepts of the nature of human life, but different visions for how human freedom is to be lived. It seems to me that that's where the conflict is, is turning. We can trace back perhaps one version of that, one vision of human freedom to many sources, all springing from that basic human desire to subject the world to our own desires and building powerful methods of knowledge, insight, and control to apply to the world around us, to make it more hospitable, less threatening. The universe, as we progressed down this path, became at once more comprehensible less mysterious, and less humane. We discovered ourselves to be less and less at home. The only spiritual beings in a mechanical and disenchanted cosmos. Ghosts pulling the levers on the machine. And as our mastery over stubborn and intractable cosmos grew, the promise of liberty without limits became irresistible. And a world in which our desires could range unencumbered became within our grasp. It seemed within reach. But with every new summit of mastery, with every new vista opened by our advances in medicine, or technology, or weaponry, or diversion, there came with it a new dissatisfaction. And prophets warned that the tools fashioned by man to subdue nature would soon be used by the powerful to subdue the weak. And eventually, at last, he would turn his tools on the one remaining unimproved corner of the cosmos himself. And so, the freedom, which takes as its center and goal the ego, the self, 
and its desires and the satisfaction of those desires leads to self-hatred. It is, in other words, the shortest imaginable path to disenchantment and despair. This is not the freedom for which Christ has set us free. What the humanism of prior ages could not articulate was what that freedom was for. Do not use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, says St. Paul. Rather, serve one another through love. Only in the light of the gospel is our freedom given its proper purpose and orientation. It is meant to be given away. Freedom, then, is not the license to do as I wish, but the capacity to limit my freedom for the good of another, and so make a gift of myself. Only in this sense can freedom be re-enchanted from the path of meaninglessness and despair. Only this freedom can heal the empty and nihilistic fascination with death that scars the face of our nation, our beautiful country, from the abortion clinic to the massacres of Columbine and Uvalde. The struggle is old as humanity itself. These competing visions of the way of freedom spring from the beguiling promise of the tree of knowledge and are undone by the divine mystery of the tree of life on Golgotha and the house at Nazareth. And it is this divine mystery that has saturated our own education and formation here, an education for freedom. Saturated our education with the same enchantment that blesses us in these short but sweet days of reunion and blessing and gratitude. And for this we give thanks that we re-enter the battle, renewed and refreshed, joyful, enchanted. And I pray that the Lord seal these gifts on our minds and hearts for the glory and honor of his name and the salvation of our souls. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.